0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Madcap DC. This is David Ross and Daniel Bloom. We've got a an elaborately special show today because this is our 10th <laughs> anniversary. And we've got Gabe Silverman yeah. in the building. And let me say that I went to high school with this cat. You know what I'm saying? So I, I recognize his potential way back when I was just a blue devil. And to see how he's blossomed the day is is marvelous. I like to say that I'm actually older than David Ross. <laughs> yes, exactly. Even from younger eyes, I recognize. <laughs> I
1: recognize
2: the leader. And I've been lucky enough to know Gabe Silverman for my entire life. We have three generations of friendship going way back to our grandfathers and grandmothers. Being, really? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Were, they were partying hard after the war, dude. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you something about American Jews after World War II. <laughs>
0: Every day was a party.
2: Every day was a a chance to celebrate and realize that we have had it better in this country than any other place you could possibly imagine. So they were very happy to be post-Third Reich. They were very happy to be in suburban Maryland and chilling out super hard with each other. I mean, quite frankly, who doesn't need a drink after the pogroms? Yeah, exactly. And that blitzkrieg, man. Absolutely. But Gabe is a uh, product of of the montgomery county school system as david mentioned springbrook high school university of maryland and most recently a medill graduate that is the journalism graduate school at northwestern university that is the primary reason that we have you here is because you are an up-and-coming hopeful you are you are a uh, an impressive newsman did you tell him about the numerous shout outs he gives yes and we also have <laughs> mentioned you in almost every show the last
0: one we mentioned you in in the That's last no one
2: with a with a media
0: heavyweight with uh, Dar- Darlene Hunt, she went to Northwestern and and I, I said she was like Dan was like so uh, why Chicago? She was like I went to Northwestern. It was Dan was like Gabe Silverman. Gabe Silverman. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said Chicago and Northwestern. He's like Gabe Silverman. Shut all right. Shirt. So first
2: question about journalism. Gabe, your first job in journalism was for Russia Today in India. Tell yeah. me about that experience. Well, I think oh, first of all, I
1: want to like back up and say that I think. Um, Just like a reframe the discussion. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) You've learned well. No, I. You know. Um. I. You know. I got. I got. I left a lucrative. Career as a consultant. We're actually David Ross Spence's nine to fives. Used <laughs> to. Don't, don't mention the consultant firm. This is very sensitive. UCF.
0: Issue. UCF. We'll call it's it. UCF. Call, don't 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 worry. My, the ultra my leave was voluntary. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll call them UCF. Ultra Catfish Factory. Okay, the, you know
1: the Under City Fund. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just hope that no one has LinkedIn here, right? <laughs> so yeah. So because to go back into this, and in, in, you know. Um, actually, Ryan Martinez, I believe he was on the show before. I think uh, before we left, I left for school. He he gave me a roast, and I'll never forget the joke that he said that you know Gabe is getting a master's in journalism, and then afterwards he's going to get a Ph.D. in typewriter repair. <laughs> 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 so you know you you know you go into a, a, a journalism for a, you know for certain reasons and ideals, and then. I was just curious how that experience was for you personally. Yeah, I got to say like, you know, it was a, it was actually a, it was a great experience. Um it was a small team and um operating in a foreign country, especially one like India as a journalist is uh is a different is a different approach and uh it's a different vibe. And uh it was good to see, you know, you, you know, we I've reported from some places like you know, Chicago, DC, well, you um, we have to have fairly thick skin, and then you go to India, and it's just a different set of rules, uh, different customs you got to deal with. Paying uh, people off. What? Paying people off. No, no, no paying people off. But it, let's say, like, uh, you know, we can, I can make an appointment in D.C. Right. and show up at that scheduled time, three days. You know, I'll make a appointment three days out. I show up then and expect my interviews on. Not in India. You call and you're like, listen, you got. Can I meet you in an hour and fifteen minutes for this interview that we've got to do? That's going to be tonight. They don't. They don't. You know, make those long term arrangements. If you do, you know, you just be ready to have them canceled. Or um, there's also different approaches to you know, age and and deference to position. Um, I will say though that um, I think I'm going on really long with this answer. Just continue. Okay, I will say I'm, I was really impressed. I met a lot of young uh, Indian journalists, and I was I was just really impressed by it. You know, they have a vision for their country that's really in transition right now. And what are their thoughts on ours? Well, I, they're opinionated, and you know, just like everybody else. Those, you know, I've, i when I was hanging out at the press club, you get a whole range of opinions. <laughs> was there right? a bar at the press club? Oh yeah Awesome Cheap, Cheapest drinks in town Is the press club <laughs> Nice
2: <laughs> I think the press club Is just a glorified bar Everywhere
1: Yeah Even uh, in D.C. Like a national press club Is a bar as well You peel back What a journalist really is <laughs> <It's a> drinker I'm <laughs> <laughs> you finding you're like You know You're, you're inner Ernest Hemingway somewhere Uh huh On the floor somewhere. Anyway, the point is, (laughs) uh, you know, they they have this vision for their country, and they're and they're aggressive about it. You know, they operating in India is is not as open as operating in in America. They don't have the same mechanisms um, for transparency, and so these these young journalists, they're man, they're aggressive, and it's impressive. It's 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 inspirational.
2: What was your favorite part of India? (laughs) <laughs> that Tibetan food was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the Tibetan food was good. <laughs> Man, I,
1: t- favorite part You know, you're you're taking a whole country, you're reducing it d- to one item. No, no, not not your
2: favorite party of the country. Your favorite part of your experience. Um,
1: I guess you know, uh, just trying to be part of that journalism fabric. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, the food was amazing. People were awesome. There's, you know. It, there's an energy about living in a country in transition like that. And I experienced that in China and, and India. Now, they're two vastly different countries, two vast, vastly different economies, but like, there's something about like, a self-awareness that their country is moving in a rapid sp- pace in a certain direction, a certain trajectory. And to be part of that, to be surrounded by that is awesome.
2: I love your stories about teaching middle school in China, <laughs> which you also did for a while. Bohai Middle School. Yeah, good memory. Thank you. And you were also in a cover band. The Rocket Boys? (laughs) (laughs) Rocket, stay tuned for Rocket Boys. That's our nascent boy band that we're trying to start. But first of all, what was your cover band called in China?
1: (laughs) It was called the Hostile Virgins H O S T E L. Because <laughs> wow, th- yeah, three fourths <laughs> of us had never stayed in a hostel. So. Wow, that's, that's uh, me hilarious. being the, the lone one. I was also the youngest by twenty years. So. Wow. So, so who was who was in this band? Yeah. It was uh, two Canadians and a South Korean. And who sang? Uh, <laughs> the the one, South Korean would he he was he partial to Eric Clapton. Um, And then the one of the cocaine I did Lady in Red. That was that was (laughs) uh, Lady That is (laughs) And you look what is that? You look beautiful. Wonderful wonderful tonight, yeah.
2: That's a good one.
1: (laughs) But yeah, and then there's this other crazy Canadian guy who had like the the sickest unibrow you've ever seen. Who was like he he swore that he was still in nineteen eighty five. Like he like he had missed his calling. As the lead singer sticks. Like that way, like he missed that. Uh I
2: like the story also about the names. You were teaching English in China. Yeah. And you had your children, your your students give themselves English names.
1: Yeah, and it, it wasn't this wasn't some like you know attempt at hegemony or anything. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just that, you know, when you You when, are John. <laughs> you know forever. leave your heritage behind. <laughs> uh I actually baptized, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, just kidding. Um no, uh, so, you know, you want to – because part of my job there is also to teach about American culture. Uh, so when they grow up and do business with Americans, they they have a better sense of it. Um, they actually had Chinese teachers. So I tried to, like, bring in more of the culture. So I would have them choose names. And some of these names were awesome. Like, I had uh, – this one girl stands up with the straightest face and goes, my name is Alexander Graham Bell. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then, you know, most of the kids want to be basketball stars, man, like – Kobe, nice. You had Shaq. You know, you had some like you know, five foot one kid. I'm um, Shaquille O'Neal. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. That works. One kid, the only the only person I had to stray away from name was a kid. stood up and he said, uh, "I'd like to be uh, Adolf Hitler." Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. You. <laughs> I said, "Why?" He goes, "Because he was a great or- orator." You're, are you serious? Yeah. That
2: kid's hilarious. <laughs> well, that's a hilarious <laughs> joke. I would
0: have fallen out laughing. I love it.
1: No, so he, I don't know what he switched orator.
0: to. He might not have been joking
1: though. <laughs> I mean the guy could whip a crowd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he exactly. was the ultimate hype man. Okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never th- if, if ne- was, yeah. if only he was born in Brooklyn in nineteen. Imagine <laughs> those, those mixtapes. Like <laughs> go the other
2: go the other way. Imagine how what if a devastating leader Flave of Flav could have been. <laughs> oh man.
1: <laughs> I can see that. Some
2: never mind. So your tr- career trajectory. Has been. I mean, I, I I love the aspect of like the nomadic aspect of your personality. Yeah. I mean, do you still feel this like wanderlust, or now you just trying
1: to make a living in this world? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's. I think that as you as you approach thirty, <laughs> you start realizing. I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, Tell me more. Not. Yeah. No. When you turn eighteen, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, when I uh, you realize, and then also, uh, you know, I'll tell you what makes you grow up is a a very strong woman presence, like a very good woman in your life. Um, but yeah, no, Wanderlust is still there. Um, But it's just you have a wonderful one. Shout out to Jamie, Jamie. Yes, Jamie. She's she's the best. Nothing but love for Jamie. She's the best. A
2: fellow Namadil graduate who you met at journalism graduate school. That's correct. So she has quite a mind. Uh, to whip and snap around at you, <laughs> yeah. which is good, and I think a, nece- a necessary uh, characteristic of a of a long term partner for a person like yourself. Exactly,
1: and she's uh, she's awesome because she also has a waterless. So it's something it's a career we we have careers that we could do together in in foreign countries, and that was you know she was in India with me, and she got to uh, have her own internship, and we did some reporting on the side, um, which she got to take the lead on. So it was it was great. I mean, um, so I don't I don't I don't think that's over. You know. But I miss you guys, man. I'm, mean, you know, there's, uh-huh. I, you know, after 22, I left for like seven years, six years, and I don't. And the things you 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 trade experiences for growing roots in your community, and those that includes family, friends, relationships, you know. So, you know, I'm I'm enjoying my time in DC again.
0: Are you here indefinitely? My guess, one of us. I don't know.
1: Oh, we're here till we got my lease till June, so at least at least till then. Okay. So
0: I one know. one aspect of the
2: show that we like to do, we, we're we're very neighborhood. Uh, heavy show. Where yeah. about So, David, why don't you take take the reins? Ask Gabe
0: about his neighborhood. Yeah, where are you where are you, Mount Pleasant? You repping Mount Pleasant? Yeah, LP? I think it's
1: called. Was it La Puebla and El Ciudad? That, that <laughs> it's the it's it, no it, that's the that's their their that's motto. Cool. They have an English and Spanish. That's it's awesome. The the village in the city, that and it's like that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I like I like Mount Pleasant. That's great.
0: They've got nobody ever. Uh, their, their restaurants don't ever get enough play. You know what I'm saying. The way the way I see it is, if the Latinos are are waiting out in long lines to get in there, I need to be there too. Yes, you do. <laughs> don't I mean, even ask what they're serving. Just yeah. Get in that line. I need to be there too, and uh, and they've they've also got they've also got some interesting little little pubs, in, yeah, like a little mixologist sort of place. Like uh, not time, there's like a speakeasy there, or a, a, they call it a speakeasy.
1: Under underneath tonic you
0: know what tonic is yeah well they
1: no, it's, it's two oh, floors okay. right? yeah, yeah, yeah 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 I mean I thought you were talking about the raven which is far from you know how <laughs> is the speed. raven I've never been in there the raven's great man great. it's and, good but well, you love dive bars I love dive bars and you know listen listen all I want out of a bar all I want out of a bar is a cheap drink and a place to sit down and talk to friends that's all I want it's not complicated you know when people start throwing out, like, I got a $15 margarita with a twist of mango, and you know, I... Yeah, I like, so don't need, need all
0: that. Yeah, I'm just
1: trying to... <laughs> to each of, their own. I've got a little effervescent from this uh, dragon fruit that I've <laughs> sprayed over. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, go to a pub in England. That's what a bar... You know, that's a pub. It's like a place to, to gather and talk and you know, speak your mind and debate and, and hang out and tell jokes, you know. So you've enjoyed that's The Raven. Yeah, a few, on yeah. a few occasions. A few occasions, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So you're in Mount Pleasant, and I like that you are now doing some stringer
1: work for Bloomberg. Yeah, Bloomberg. Yeah. You just wrote your first story for Bloomberg. I, I reported for my first story. That, um, yes, yeah. So uh, it was the George Hughley sentencing. Uh, yes. He's the guy. A the, joyous occasion for yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a <laughs> wonderful <laughs> note upon which to start your career. <laughs> Man, that was, that was wild. You know, we, we had to go down to the courthouse in Charlottesville. and, and yeah. Lovely town. Yeah, it is great. Charlottesville, Virginia is wonderful. Beautiful. Everybody was so friendly. Thomas Jefferson knew what he was doing. I
2: guess so. <laughs> he he put it down. Yeah. So how is it? Is it exciting working for Bloomberg? I like whenever Bloomberg. you get a chance.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's I just string for them. So I, you know, I, I'm part of their White House press pool team on the nights and weekends, and then they that's got to feel good. You're going to the White House with a press badge and you know, yeah, shooting. That's great. awesome. I mean, I, it's 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 definitely it's a really cool experience. We get to see Marine One land in the backyard, and you know Obama wave to the crowd. You know, it's it's just a, you know it's exciting. Riding, uh, riding around the motorcade, you know, <laughs> bullying people off <laughs> the side of the road while these like fifteen black vans drive by. It's it's, it's exciting, you know, as a newbie to this industry. Um, but in terms of reporting, you know, like you know, it's it's you know, I'm, I'm I'm as part of the night and weekend team, it's the catastrophic team, you know, we're we're there, you know, if if uh, any news breaks and and uh, no you know no one's wrongs, but mostly it's it's just like we're there to hang out. Libyan ambassador
2: just shot and killed. What, was it a, a rocket attack? What happened in Libya? You
1: know, the details are still uh, a little fuzzy right now. Did you now. see the picture that ran in New York Times? I've been out working all day. I haven't...
2: Shilling stuff. It really? was yesterday. Sunshine sent it to me. No. Yeah, it's... And I just want to ask you about, you know, where, where do you think it's proper to draw the line in terms of how to show an image like that? If you have an image of a, a prominent figure who's been assassinated... You know, yeah. Do you run it? Is it newsworthy? Is it
1: vulgar? You know, we, we you know, in America, we do we do journalism different um, and especially with regards to the images. Um, you know, in I think we my gut, my my first reaction is I think that we we desensitize the effects of violence and war too much in our media. We know there's a policy like we don't we try not to show blood and guts and people shot out of respect for obviously of, of the dead. I mean, you know, we don't want to dishonor their family that's that's hard we don't want to see your family member strewn across a one but at the same time, I feel like you know we're so separated from war we don't ever get a chance to see those effects unless you go out and watch a restrepo uh documentary or or seek that material out and so I think that that we can be somewhat flippant when we talk about policy when with regards to War and interesting. You mentioned Restrepo,
2: which was I think done by Tim Hetherington and Sebastian Younger. Yeah. One of whom is now, yeah, p- passed away in in the line of duty in journalism yeah. in reporting. Yeah. So you know, journalists are very much on the line in when it term- comes to the dangers of war
1: as well. Absolutely. Would you ever have any interest in doing that? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I, I do. I mean, part part of the reason why I switched to journalism is because I really wanted a career where I could help, um, where I, where I could. I mean the selfish way, try to figure out the wor- the world around me. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be stuck in a cubicle and doing some repetitive motion. I really want to be engaging with the world and try to figure figure it out what drives the world, like you know what, what's going on behind the scenes and um, you know part of what's a big part of people's reality in the world is violence and so and this type of violence. and so it's something I'd like to do one day. Um, it's just about matter of like find the right opportunity. Um, in the right circumstance, I guess. Interesting. I'm drawn
2: to to uh, thoughts of David Wetzel, the great professor at U, uh, UC Berkeley, who has talked about, you know, the basically the the coming of the modern age in Europe and just how regular a part of politics war has been, hmm. at least since then, certainly hmm. probably before then. Interesting. But that, you know, that war has has been inevitable through different political systems that we've been in. So... I think we're in a funny political moment. I'm going to get real macro on you right now. Yeah, hit me. I think we're in a funny political moment where kind of democracies, pluralism, uh, typified by the West, kind of the Euro project and the United States through this recent financial crisis have kind of taken a beating. And these new, like thinking about China, thinking about Russia, Brazil is still pretty pluralistic, but there's another way now, this kind of like half-communist, socialist uh, opened up reforms, but still centralized control. Mm-hmm. So where do you think the the juice is? Like, do you think that the West is losing out long-term, or do you think that there are structural problems with this model of Eastern growth that will hamper them?
1: That's a heavy question. Well, because well, you've you had yeah, experience yeah.
2: in both of these places, especially thinking about the poles
1: of the United States and China. Well, okay, so, I, you know, I think that... Um, it, that's you, you draw a really interesting parallel. So in America, as we become a more modern society, create more government involvement in business with regulation. Um, and so we are moving more from a purely capitalist society to more of a socialist uh, model. And I also, by the way, I'd like to say for the media discussion, when people say, Oh, Obama's a socialist and they or you know, who, whoever is a socialist, you know, I think that's a mischaracterization of what that economic system is. I mean America, you know, by definition, I think we're we're closer to socialism than people want to admit. Well the fact that we have social security and Medicare. Exactly. And P- we'll f- public education. Yeah. Right. Um food stamp programs. It's just exactly, not like I, the stigma of the name. FDA what I mean so they just they just don't like the, the stigma of the name yeah exactly it's it's, yeah. in, it's an easy target yeah, yeah. um and, you know and and that and also and the problem with like making that a black and white issue is that it, it takes away from the real issues is uh which is, should be a nuanced discussion of of our regulations like are these regulations working and like really talk about that like really talk about what um, position Dodd-Frank should play or how much we should beef it up. Anyways, and, and so, and meanwhile, the other side like you're talking about is China's moving away from that model. They're going from socialism to ostensibly capitalism. I think what really is the difference um, is that people will, will I think that uh, in China, people will tolerate that as they their standard of living gets better. But, I mean, I'm no expert, but I think that it will reach a point, though, where they have the same comforts that we have. And they demand more out of civil liberties, and won't that be interesting to watch? It will be interesting in terms of a historical perspective yeah I mean it's it's interesting like even right now the 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 vice president of um of of China is missing like, Yes. he's and like and they don't talk about it <laughs> I mean like like, Mark, like when Mark Sanford went missing for like three days and he was just the governor of uh no one knew who Mark Sanford was South Carolina yeah no no. No one in, no one had any idea who this guy and it was, was. National news outside of South Carolina, and that was national news. He's missing three years. This guy's been missing for weeks from the public eye, and they're like, no, oh, he's he's recovering. It's cool. He's recovering." And media. I mean,
2: we're talking about media here. That's a huge difference between the U.S. and China. Media yeah. state-controlled in China.
1: I'll never forget. I was there in two thousand six, right, two years before the Olympics, and there was a roundtable discussion about uh, sandstorms and the Olympics. And there was a there was a panel discussion. It was in English. And they said final question to wrap it up was, Will there be sandstorms during the Beijing Olympics? Mind you, this was two years before the the Beijing Olympics were gonna happen. Not two weeks before, two years before. <laughs> and the panel unanimously said, Oh no, there there will definitely be no sandstorms. No, there's no sandstorms. because guess because that's they can get away from that. That's that's what they do. So nineteen eighty
2: four, big brother, thought control. I mean, am I too far off?
1: Is it hyperbole or not? It, okay, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I think not, yeah, um, that's the standard by which we like to, to measure things, right? Pick up the George. <laughs> Go, yeah, drop O G G O. But I mean, you know, like, I mean, I think there's you see a lot of like um, really innovative uh, approaches to information dissemination with microblogging in China, and like when um, oh, uh, oh my God, his uh, name is escaping me. The blind activist. Highway um, Wei. No, no, he's not no, blind. activist no, blind activist. Uh, uh, when he left, like you know, they censored not just his name, um, or they also censored like. You, there's a rumor that he's leaving on a, like a, a flight, like a United Airlines flight, uh, like and and they gave the call letters and so they, they they censored out the call letters. They censored out the, the 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 flight and everything like that. So, I mean, it's you know, it's it's they had this reactionary approach. Uh, I mean, central. as.
2: As David Ross and Madcap's website recently found out, it's a bad move to oppose the will of the internet and make yourself into an enemy of those, like, anonymous. (laughs) And China has done just that. Is it wise? I mean, this is a a leading question. I'll just say it. I think it's incredibly unwise to try and clamp down on the internet because it it is a losing battle. You're not going to be able to do it. And you're going to make... You're going to cause a crazy backlash by trying to do so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wish I was more entrenched in in that that world, like the Reddit world and, and the world of hackers, because there's this ethos. Shout that, out to Reddit, Reddit.com. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, if you want to talk about reporting, they somehow managed to create a timeline of events, let's say during the Aurora shootings, quicker than any news organization, because it's crowdsourcing. It's a very powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an ethos that runs through this that that group that I think is like very true. Uh, in many ways, to um, a democratic society uh, of openness and transparency, and crowdsourcing, crowdsourcing knowledge and power. Um, you know, and I think a healthy debate could be had, though, about the whole concept of WikiLeaks. That yes. I don't necessarily. I don't, you know, what are your thoughts on Julian Assange? That's my next question. You know, uh, I don't want to dodge this, but I, I you know, my initial reaction was, uh, you know, I think it's great that. Every once in a while, we have a total just open transparency, but I think that's also naive to say that we that um, that the the operators our foreign officers don't deserve some some level of privacy when dealing with foreign nationals. So I mean, I I think I think there's something to be said for both sides in terms of the State Department leaks. Yeah, we, yeah, State Department. Yeah, that's the, that's like the big one that got him the the crosshairs on him because he messed well, the with military
2: him. leaks were pretty bad too. From the perspective of the
1: government, they were they were. Um, I think, but the, I think for me, like when it, when it really hit the scene was when they hit, released all those cables because right. it really embarrassed a lot of high level officials. Assange is not an American; he has no no uh, particular allegiance to the U.S. government, right? But now he's got the U.S.
2: government's uh, full force be uh, on him. Coming yes, on him, that's so. true. Which to me is a damning indictment on the U.S. I mean, if they don't have that much to hide, then why are they trying to, you know, go after this guy so hard? And furthermore, it's a Fantasia scenario. Are you trying to chop up the the broom that just continues to come at you? If you do away with Julian Assange in a heavy-handed way, you're going to inspire thousands of Julian Assanges around the world. It's
0: not a smart move. Does he have a show on, like, RT now?
2: Yeah, he does. What? He he, he, he he
0: did did for a while, yeah. Yeah, Alona interviewed him like early. No, but he has a show. He has a yeah. show
1: now. Yeah. Con- concurrently? Yeah. isn't he
2: holed up in the British embassy or in the? Uh, he, he does
1: this thing where he like he, he I don't know if it's con- con- concurrent. Uh, still what is it? It's on. Ecuador, right? Ecuador is going to take him. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, he he interviews like controversial uh, f- people, like uh, who's the guy? That, um, his first one was Hezbollah leader. Mm. Okay. Yeah, you know, people like that. Um. You know, you know, when I was covering uh, Occupy uh, last fall, what was interesting was that I was talking to professors who like who follow this type of group mentality organization and the the advantage of Occupy was that there was no leader to shoot down. So Julian Assange represents a movement that you're describing, but he also um is a target. So they they say, you know, he's uh, sexually assaulted two women, um you know they they can cast him out, however, and that that debases the move behind him, mm. and thus is a liability. It can be a liability, but on the the, the reverse side, as we see, the occupy completely disorganized in mm-hmm. the end. You know, it was it was great, but it, it, people don't have the wherewithal to like really stay with it in, in mass. And so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, he also can can be a, a, a eloquent speaker for those uh, for those beliefs as well. So it's it's a double edged sword. Now, one thing I like to do on this show, and
2: what makes, I think, it a lot of fun, is that we go from the very high to the very low. Okay. Not that this is very low, but it's it's an important topic, but somewhat more lighthearted. You were a vegetarian for the vast majority of your life. First 25 years. And I was with you in person the first (laughs) time you deliberately ate meat, because there was a mishap once with a turkey sandwich that will remain nameless from years ago (laughs) in the past. But that chicken shawarma, after which you directly fell asleep in the Israeli Independence (laughs) Hall... I want I want to ask you just I've never asked you this question before how it, it has eating
1: meat changed your life and if so how I think it, uh, the only way I could say is that it's it's, it's uh, eating meat has been more aligned with uh my morals cuz I wasn't more like I mean I I just you know I I love sushi <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> it is delicious. That was the best answer you could have given. I love no, you know what? I, you know, like it hasn't changed my life. I mean, no, it's like you know, I, I I could subsist, I could live, I could eat, I could be happy being vegetarian. I could do so eating meat. It was just that I didn't know if I I, I was raised a vegetarian for very specific like uh, spiritual reasons that my parents um, taught me, and I didn't believe in my parents' spiritual path that they follow. And so for me, it was more of a break with that philosophy Um, is what backstopped it. But you know, I mean, some things I think is totally overrated. I think chicken is so overrated. Oh, it's so good. No, no, no. See, here's the deal. Chicken is the tofu of the meat world because tofu just takes on the flavoring of whatever you cook it in. And you can cook it soft, you can cook it hard, right? I'm feeling very sensitive about this topic <laughs> right now. You're like...
0: <laughs> no, but th- but there's other things... Do you like, hear this, black listeners? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go on. But, you know, um, but then there's things that are just delicious. Such as? Lamb. Mm. It's delicious. Ooh, how much good lamb do you have in India? Oh,
0: never mind. You, yeah, you, yeah. Wait, wait, so were you... Yeah, in India. You... Yeah, oh, 25 okay. years. I, okay. I've been
1: eating for a while, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, Oh, okay. Yeah. I
0: love
1: lamb.
2: You know,
0: like,
1: oh, the Euros, man.
2: Oh, Yeah. A little God. shawarma, got that Greek D, spot. Let me tell you, DC you, Cafe. I might do that. In one that's our spot. DC Cafe is in, in Dupont. They're open really late. Open uh, outdoor seating. Mm-hmm. Place is fantastic. Oh yeah,
1: they got a great one. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, I like that. I go like to go over the Greek spot.
2: Where's that in Silver Spring?
1: No, Greek spots uh Eleventh uh, and U. Oh, I know it. It's near Chicks, isn't it? Oh man, what? Yeah, they're good. It's right. Really, ne- it's right next to Chicks. Really good. You can you can get like uh, some orzo with it and and like. Uh, Salad. I did salad. not know they were coming strong.
0: I I, I ignored that entire block. I've, I I've eaten at Chicks once. I hear Chicks is a little overrated. It's a little <laughs> fancy. That's that's some that's some like that's some yup stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's some yup. They, 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 they were there for the yup. They
2: deliver like when when did the rotisserie chicken become such a big staple of the American diet? I just I, th- I think it came in around the same time as the twenty ounce Coke bottle. Yeah. That happened. when We were like right at the end of elementary chicken. school. It was like a. a Titles, total shift It's like oh my god Soda comes in these Bottles now mm. And then all of a sudden It was like We're just re-chicken We're just re-chicken like, It's like Spree Row Whims It was keeps it, spinning It was like, <laughs> Boston Market didn't they like... Boston Market That's an excellent What happened to Boston Market? Still they still exist
0: White Oak
1: used to
2: be... <laughs> 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 Yeah White Oak That's the only one I know Remember it used to be Called Boston Chicken And then uh-huh. they took The Gabe Silverman approach And they realized This is vastly overrated We've got to Widen the whole scope Of what we're doing here yeah. And they turned it That was probably like Bain Capital Mitt Romney probably Got in there And was like you got to do away With this chicken chicken is old world
1: um mashed potatoes yeah you know what you know i was in i was in chicago's like randomly got lost in like the west side of chicago um on some random highway and i saw little caesars yeah what about that's from
2: the Midwest? It's from
1: uh, yeah, Michigan. but, but remember Lil, Little
2: Caesars Pizza
1: Pizza? You hear that commercial all the time on uh-huh. the East Coast,
2: and then all of a sudden it disappeared. Yeah, it was just a failed franchise. You know what came in? Papa John's came in and yeah. ate their lunch. Yeah, Papa John's. So we used to order that all the time. All the time. I, it was it three hundred one eight hundred one? Wow, even gonna, uh, no, I, that's I, my cell phone.
1: <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah, watch you cool with those last four letters, uh, <laughs> four uh, numbers. <laughs> no, okay, was it six four nine? I used to work for them Do you really? for a month. <laughs> I delivered pizzas for a month. Really? Tell us about that. I, I delivered pizzas for a month.
2: How was it? Did you meet any crazy people?
1: No. You know what? I stopped delivering, and this is a total stupid pride thing. I stopped delivering when I delivered to a guy I knew in middle school that I did not like. Yeah. And then he recognized me. He was like, oh, Gabe, what's... What's going on man how are you yeah, <laughs> Yo, that's, like, that's like a loaded you know? question they're like are you okay
0: you know <laughs> here's an extra what dollars. you mean, <laughs> gonna look healthy <laughs> yeah you know, like, Here. i got all the free pizza i can eat
1: i'm giving you extra tip because i think you need it <laughs> <laughs> Take no the you know, but i gotta say though everybody at papa john's the four corners are great they were, they're were, they're were, they were fun to work with oh, and made some, bet they i make good
2: money there but i bet they hate mondays because it's double toppings and people are calling off the hook when yeah.
1: the redskins win man when people don't get their pizzas on time that's like a slap. That's, you insulted their mother. That's like... <laughs> and there's no more money-back guarantee. They can't do anything to you. Yeah. Do that.
0: Nobody, nobody takes this, into account traffic. Or, not with this
1: traffic anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, D.C.? Yeah. You've got to make it a 45-minute guarantee instead of 30-minute guarantee. <laughs> That's question, true. Since you've, since you've worked at a pizza place, yeah. D.C. pizza, mm. where are you going to eat? I'll tell you, I just uh, I just ate at uh, Red Rocks. It's delicious. Oh, on 11th Street. I
0: know, about Red, I know about Red Rocks. Here's, I here's, like go it. Go
1: to Paradiso, man. Paradise Whoa, is good. on P Street? Yeah, mm. that's the spot. Uh you know, like you know, the thing is, I think that what was i don't know what happened—but all of a sudden, a twenty-four-dollar pizza became acceptable in this uh-huh, world. Yep. that is nuts. Artisanal. Just put the word
2: artisanal before whatever kind of food you're about to charge, and double the price people you know, will pay. Let it. me tell you something.
1: I rediscovered frozen pizzas. You get those guys for six ninety-nine. A yeah. tombstone or DiGiorno, the big one. Yeah, I, they they stand true to their 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 commercials. It's, it's not, not deli- delivery, man. It's DiGiorno. Yeah. it is delicious. <laughs> Six, forget a twenty-four dollar. If you go and pay twenty-four dollars for bread, cheese, and tomatoes. You are doing something wrong. You are doing something wrong. <laughs> are you listening, my former roommate Edmund. <laughs> are you listening? <laughs> Unless you have some like truffle sauce on there. But I've you know.
2: been I've been to all the really nice pizza places in DC. What's the one? Two Amy's. Been there.
0: Mm. Ella's wood fired pizza. Been there. Have you, pizza? have you been to Cafe roommate? Nobody goes to this. What? No. Oh, Cafe Romeo's is a Romero's on Wisconsin Avenue, right past the Whole Foods, like in like that that gray area of Glover Park before it reaches Georgetown, mm. uh, like right by a cemetery, I want to say. <laughs> right by a cemetery and across my holiday, and nobody knows <laughs> that this place, this pizza place is like delicious, but like I went there off a of whim, you know what I'm saying? And in high school, and I stayed – I tried to work there. They wouldn't hire me. You know, uh, I stayed – Going there because that, that pizza is delicious, but it's it's not cheap. You're gonna you're gonna spend. Yep. You know what I'm saying like at least at least twenty. I was really hopeful for the pizza place in Tacoma Park, Roscoe's. Oh yeah, eh. It's just it's just Roscoe's to me is a lot like Roscoe's and Red Rocks to me. Yep, are are a lot alike. Have yep. You sampled any of Red Rocks uh, menu besides pizza? Oh, you said yeah. it's the first time you went there. No, no,
1: no, no. I, I've been there a number. I okay. love them. Yeah, uh, you know because I like you know. Um, yeah, I've I've had their uh their, their 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 meat and cheese plates. That's really good. Ooh. Charcuterie? Charcuterie. I didn't want to be the first one to say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, you their know meat and got some plate. of that prosciutto de parma. Oh. Yeah, and some duck prosciutto, low-rated. Uh, yeah. Have you do you, have have you
0: eaten it Meridian? Meridian pint? No, uh, maybe once. I like that place because
2: I like, even though I don't drink anymore, I really like places that have the tap at the table and you can just pour your mm, own. I mean, that's yeah. a scam if I've ever seen one. <laughs> oh sure, just pour your own beer all night. Oh, this just is no. Just spend eight hundred dollars.
1: Tap every keg you can. That's the most transparent form of drinking. Because no, let me tell you something. I'd rather take that model because how many times you've been out at night, you had a couple drinks, and then you're feeling good, and you start buying drinks for your friends and buying drinks for that random girl, and like, and also you get your tab. It's a hundred dollars. With this tab, it's like a it's, it's like a running tally. You, you see it. It's like pumping gas. You know when you gotta cut yourself off financially. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. That's a
2: good point. And you don't have to fight to the bar. That's the worst part of going to a oh, bar. Oh man. It's
0: having to fight
1: to get a drink. You gotta do that awkward like, oh, are you, are you getting there, are you coming out? What? Oh, have you I ever just, been no, to no. Bigfoot
0: t- people. When people are like, I'm sorry, like especially when a bartender acknowledges you and somebody's like, I'm sorry, I was I was waiting. And I was like, "What?" I'm like, "What?" Is every, it's every person for themselves over here. Oh yeah, <laughs> you
1: know what I'm saying? I mean, if it's that's going after the wrong person, man, you gotta go. That's like going when people you go to see Jerry Springer, and <laughs> the two the lovers that are being cheated on yeah. go for each other, and not the person that's doing the cheating. Yeah, <laughs> that's like you know, got you got you to blame the bartender in that situation. As exactly. as someone who's bartender, I was gonna yeah, say you've done that. that job as well. I've done everything, man. I know that's why you're such a good I, radio guest. <laughs> 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 I've evaluated hotels. That was fun.
2: Um, yeah. Silverman used to evaluate, he used to be a, a secret shopper. You don't do this anymore, do you? <laughs> That's a secret anymore, huh? Do you do, do, you do <laughs> this anymore? No. no I wish no. you did, because this was a brilliant racket. So, this dude used to evaluate hotels all over the country, and he would do one trip to Miami, and we would go. He would invite yeah. me, and we, we ended up having an awesome time. We went, to, we went clubbing together at Mansion, the club at which I would later, years later, go on to meet Sunshine. Pretty nice. good.
0: Nice.
2: Yeah. yeah, we always had a good time in Miami. We would do Fort Lauderdale one day. <laughs> Remember where we stay at the PGA, the PGA yeah, resort PGA. and there was like a cigar shop down there. We yeah, were chilling hard in that, that cigar fun. shop.
1: Yeah, that was fun. You know, um, I remember we couldn't find, we, 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 had this brilliant idea that we, that we were some type of ballers that we would show up. We, <laughs> no one year. This is serious. David, this is serious. <laughs> David, this is <a> serious. <laughs> that we would show up without a suitcase. We wouldn't pack any yeah! clothes. We'd go down to Miami because Miami's got a certain flair. And we would buy a Miami outfit. <laughs> there. But the, the flaw in our plan was that we didn't realize how expensive underwear was down there. Uh-huh. The only type of underwear people in Miami wear, apparently, are like silk Calvin Klein boxers for like $20 a pop. We weren't we were feeling that. <laughs> no, no Haynes, Y'all
0: couldn't find any No,
1: better yet. We, we found knockers. We went and found an off-brand of some,
2: some male briefs. We, and we both brought a, bought a three pack. I
1: and mean, you know what? You, you, knew, still, do you still wear them? No. What? No. Dude, those things. Let me tell you why I don't wear those things. Because here's the deal. You know, like, this was one of those shady stores that clearly got things. Like, if it wasn't off the back of some truck, it was like. Three seasons late. It was three seasons late, or it was a defective product. Yes, irregular. Now, these, me, these knockers from the inside. The brand, the brand literally was knocker. The, the, from the inside they had a, a cut for a hole like a traditional pair of underwear uh-huh. but they never cut in the front they didn't so you, you there's no way to to, you know, to conveniently to,
0: access you have to just completely to, pull it out yeah you did
1: yeah which is always a problem yeah, I still that. I'm still rocking all three of those pairs are you kidding me no are you surprised dude I, <laughs> I know you're making a little bit more money now you were, yeah.
2: they are, those... to use the words of my father they are perfectly good <laughs> Perfectly good, but that you know that whole idea of not bringing any luggage down—that was birthed through a Big L lyric. Big L says, states, and I quote: "We never bring luggage. We go shopping when the plane land." And I thought that was a great idea.
0: Big L, rest in peace. peace.
2: (laughs) The financial differences, though—I mean, like no—but like if you're going to go shopping once or twice a year, and Mm -hmm. I, I very rarely buy any new clothes. So if I'm going to go buy new clothes, Miami is a good place to go because they have cool stuff. They have stuff you're not going to find in Maryland. In fact, I found a pair of Maryland socks in Miami <laughs> at Urban Outfitters. Like bought, like couldn't even find these in Maryland. But they yeah. knew I'd be down here. <laughs> yeah, my grandparents used to go to Florida every year, so I feel very comfortable doing that. It's they the, were,
1: you know, it's the Jewish homeland. Yeah. It's
2: the for yeah. Israel is great and all, but the ancestral Jewish homeland is obviously Florida. Yeah, man. Like Del Boca Vista status, Seinfeld parents, it's just like that. Yeah. They would call them snowbirds, all these people, <laughs> largely Jews, who come down from the East Coast every year. Like, I just was so jealous. I thought it was amazing. My grandparents and all of their friends would all go on the same vacation for months at a time together, and they would end up in a circle on the beach in Florida
1: with a Maryland flag in the middle of them. Wow. How great is that? That's awesome. I think we just... I mean—I don't think it really struck me until right now that our grandparents partied way harder than we have. Like, as a generation, we were losing a step in the
2: They in were department. in war. <laughs> a whole bunch of their contemporaries died, and he they never made it
1: back.
0: He didn't even drink.
1: Me? Yeah.
2: I still party harder than either one of you two. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: This is debatable. Okay. You know, no, no, Maybe not, no. Maybe you. Let me tell you something. That is not debatable. I <laughs> love... Staying in, <laughs> this, is, this is what happens when you converge on thirty, man. Have you have you reached the big three O? Not yet. March. I turned twenty eight
0: on the sixth. This guy's about, a young gun. I, I feel kind of comfortable. You I, I should. You're hanging out with it. older people left exactly. and right. By the way, I don't
1: mean to cut this off, but um, so I, you know, my my girlfriend is a Packers fan. What time is the game? Eight twenty. Oh, I mean, you're you're in your car. Yeah, but okay. I,
2: I gotta like go home pick her up. We gotta go. Listen, we are going to see the game. Man. Yeah, we're gonna watch the game.
1: Uh, our friend Brian's house. He's also a Falaska? Brian Falaska. Oh, mm-hmm.
2: good man! Shout out to Brian Falasca. That old. kid, man. We were just at the tremendous uh, Sokolauer Andrew wedding. Had a brilliant time. Yeah. Shouts out to Jordan and Heather. Yeah, how
1: was Dan in the turntables? Just, oh my God! Without... <laughs> let me tell you something. For all man. the seventeen people that are listening to this, eighteen listeners. Sure. <laughs> if you need a wedding DJ, you any DJ, party DJ, wedding DJ, house DJ, hire Dan Bloom. It was the greatest wedding performance of all time, and I'm not just saying that. You know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to one-up people even more right here. My sister, before he got famous, had John Legend play her wedding. Yes. His name was John Stevens back in the day. I remember that. This was more fun than... Then the John Stevens concert. Nice, wow, wow! That's what high an praise. endorsement. We had such a good time. He got two gigs out of that. I did. It was so much. Fun. It was so. It was so well done. It started, music started at seven thirty, ended at ten thirty. No one stopped dancing in between. What was the first song you dropped?
2: Uh, you know, I played some uh, some just like intro music, kind of mm-hmm. like chill, really really chill stuff at the beginning, like fly Dan me to, Morrison. Fly, no, that was the first dance. Okay, that was the mother daughter dance. I did like this Nat King Cole song I love.
0: <laughs> Mujer, si puedes tú con Dios hablar. Si yo vez te de alma. Ooh, okay. Oh, that's a beautiful
2: track. Uh, I played little Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Played "Lovely Day," Bill Withers. Mm-hmm. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but Bill Withers is always good for just easing you into anything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Except for
2: "Use Me." I mean, "Use Me" is a great song, but it's, yeah. not, it's not proper for a wedding. There are certain <laughs> songs that like are great songs, but people ask for them, and it's like, I, listen, I, I, it's a great track, but I'm not gonna play "S&M" by Rihanna at your wedding. Like, I'm not <laughs> gonna,
1: I'm not gonna play. I like big butts, and I cannot lie. At your wedding, I was I, I, when I worked at Urbana as a server. We had a we had a, a wedding, wine bar. We had a wedding. in DuPont. Yeah. Yes. At the yeah. Hotel Palomar. Yeah. Yeah. They have good uh, bottomless mimosa deal. We did
0: that. Commercial. I stayed there. Um, the, the job you got me. <laughs> <laughs> <Continue>. <laughs> there
1: was there was a there was a, a wedding that was there, uh-huh. and it was uh it was it was a they, they played with the song. Right. Uh, doing the butt. Yes, oh, the butt yeah. by, by EU. EU by you. dropped it.
2: I mean, it's, if if the wedding – if the couple is really cool and if the party is really cool, you might be able to get away with that. My family would go crazy
0: <laughs> if I dropped that. <laughs> crazy. I have video of my cousin dancing to that. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it's all about black colleges. They all went to black colleges. They'd be like, oh. Or <laughs> one would be bent over. There'd be, there'd, be, there'd be no problem. There'd be no problem.
1: Wait, hold on. So I've actually always wondered this. Is that a literal – like chorus or is that like is the butt like a dance the butt is a dance the butt is a dance totally changed my perspective (laughs) it's a
0: dance it is a dance
1: that song sounds Entirely more appropriate now. Than yes. I know that you got yes,
0: to watch the music video.
1: That's the only way you can get the because uh, oh, it was done.
0: Sense. It was done in line with Spike Lee's uh, film School Days. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. So that's why. That's why that that song is like the School Days era. Like that generation goes crazy, and it's by far the biggest Go Go crossover mm, hit that yeah. ever hit the, the only, podcast. It a hot, it's a hot. It's It was jam. international. Yeah, that's, they, were,
1: they were big. <laughs> Do they make a lot of money off that? Does EU like?
0: They made money off that. They made money off that. But and but I mean, they didn't. I don't know There's there's, there's, there's some serious Documentaries about Go-Go
2: I I love Go-Go Band's (laughs) names EU Experience Unlimited Mm. Junkyard Band Backyard Band Northeast Groovers UCB UC uh, What's that Under Control Band I
0: think it was Uncalled
2: For Uncalled For (laughs) (laughs) for I I love these names Oh and my Personal favorite The the classic track One Leg Up Which the lyrics go Put your one leg up And get your booty On the floor Is done by a band And I couldn't make this up Called You know it Mm-mm. Pure elegance. <laughs> Shout out to the
0: Relentless Band, who uh, who we're actually going to be doing a show with.
2: Really? Yeah, yeah. We well, got. It. Weren't you in a Go Go band? Uh, yes. What was it called?
0: DMB, Dangerous Minds Band. Oh, I like it. Wow. <laughs> Perfect
2: for your time and place. Right after that, what was it uh, Sharon Stone, Nicole? No, Kittman, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer. and Coolio. Coolio. Who,
1: yeah. yeah. oh, by the way, I I've really got to go, but I would like to say, <laughs> one day I legitimately saw Coolio sue somebody on Judge Judy. That's that's a, that is a fact. <laughs> okay. I want you I want you to
2: Google that. That is a fact. Gabriel Silverman, it's been a real pleasure having you on Madcap DC. This was awesome. I'm a big fan. Awesome. Well we'd love to have you back on again sometime if you're game, man. Yeah, don't travel too far off from there, man. If you can fit us in your busy ch- exactly. schedule. Yeah. Let's Go do
1: love. it. Awesome. Thanks, Gabe
2: yeah.
0: Holler. Fuck with me.